Open your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Last week we began looking at our study on the church. We're getting ready to redo our church constitution and bylaws and um, with, with all of the craziness that's going on in the world. It's important for us to define some things for the church. So last week we looked at the church before the throne. And I want to review a couple of things from that message. The first is holiness before the throne. We want to be a holy church and a holy people. And so what does holiness mean? It means separate, other, different. And one of the things that you'll find is... Someone will see a church that they enjoy, and they want our church to be like that church. Well, if that church is a Bible-preaching church, then I want to be like that church. But if that church is like the world, we have to be different. That's what it means to be holy. We want to be Christ's church. We want to look like Christ. We want to look and behave the way that Christ wants us to as a church. And so the world's opinion about the church doesn't really matter. Years ago, uh, there was the, the Willow Creek movement, and Bill Hybels was the pastor of that church. And I went to a meeting in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and this uh, someone from that group was talking to us, and basically what they said is, we need to go out into the community and let's say we meet Stillwater Steve. We need to ask Stillwater Steve what he's looking for in a church. Well, how about we go to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him what he's looking for in a church? And what Hybels came out, I guess it's maybe three years ago, he came out and said that he's done surveys through all of the, the Willow Creek churches and their own church. And there is zero difference in the attitudes about the Word of God, sin, and salvation in their church and the population of the United States in general. So what did he get? He got what he wanted. He got a church that looks like the culture. See, I heard someone say one time that the church is supposed to be heaven come down to earth. The church is supposed to be the closest thing you can get to God's economy in this world. That's what a New Testament church is supposed to be. And that doesn't mean we're trying to establish a kingdom on the earth. We're not going to mix those verses up. Jesus Christ will come back and establish his kingdom. We're not doing that. Amen? And yet, Christ does establish as the head of the church what the church is supposed to be. And that is holy. We are to be different. When we talk about the church before the throne, what does before mean? Well, it just means in front of his face. And... I think that all of us, if we would recognize that everything that we do is before him, it's before his face, I think it would affect the way that we live. How many of you, you, you young people, do you behave differently when dad's at home? Probably. Probably. And, and the idea is that because we recognize the presence of God, we're going to behave a little differently. Psalm eighty nine fourteen says, justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne, mercy and truth shall go before thy face. That's what's before him, and that's what we need to represent. So here's a sobering thought. Hebrews 4.13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, 
But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So, I'm glad that people, you know, they take a bath before they come to church. At least most of us do, Wade. I'm glad that people care about the way they look and that you dress differently for church than you might for a different occasion. And and I think that that's good. I I always try to wear a suit, wear something nice on a Sunday morning. Why? I I just like it. That's that's not a rule. I I just like it. And we, but here's the thing. Are you also putting on Christianity when you come to church? Or are you a Christian all the time? Are you putting on an air of holiness when you come to church? Or are you holy all the time? You see, all of those things are naked and open unto him, unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You're not fooling anybody. Well, you might be fooling us, but you're not fooling Jesus. And so what's the context of that passage? Well, it is Hebrews 4.12. And that's where it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And that next verse is the verse about all things are open and naked unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That I love it. You know what the verse after that says? Verse 15. It says, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So we are sinners. And yet, we have that access to the throne of God because we have a high priest. Are you thankful? Are anybody saved here today? You know that you're saved well, then you stand before him righteous and holy. Now somehow I've got to get my life, my practical living, to line up with the position that I have in Christ. And the only way I can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I've got to, I've got to make sure that I'm not pretending, that I'm not faking you guys out. You know, for me, it really is a battle of the Spirit. Because my life is good. I don't really have any trouble. I don't have any reason not to be right with God. And yet there are days when I come in here and I might just be in a bad mood. Well, I'd better get that settled before I start interacting with people because otherwise I am becoming a hypocrite. How are you doing? If, I, you know, if I'm in a bad mood and I'm mad and really I hate the world and I walk in and I see Doug and I say, good to see you, that would be a lie. So what do I have to do? I have to go to the Lord ahead of time, and say, and just get right with him because the ministry isn't about how I'm feeling that day, and yet it is my spiritual responsibility to match my temperament with what I'm going to say. Otherwise, that is hypocritical. That's fake. You all understand what I'm saying right here? It's very, very important that we understand That God knows what we're doing, and if we want God to bless our labor for Him, then it has to be real. It has to be heartfelt. And my heart stinks. That's why I've got to be in prayer. That's why I need to go to the throne of God through my high priest. 
But what about the church? And we looked at some of this last week or week before last, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. But we have to remember that the church does not belong to us. We belong to him. And Jesus is the head of the church. So that's Colossians 1.18. I believe you have your Bibles opened there. The Bible says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So Jesus is the head of the church. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to meet with our team leaders. We're, we're working on, on doing a better job of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. We, the, there are so many gifted people that God has brought to Grace Baptist Church. and So we're going to organize the church, but it's not based on a business model. We're looking at ministry, and we're looking at ministering to the best of our ability under the headship of Jesus Christ. It, it, again... My opinion about the church doesn't matter. What Jesus wants the church to be, to look like, to preach, to teach, how we are to function, who are to be its members, all of those things, that's under the headship of Jesus Christ. We are not allowed to mold the church to our wants or desires. Amen? Um, man, that is difficult, too. That is a difficult thing. When you have a ministry... So, Justin uh, heads up our Awana ministry. And if he ever gets the idea, this is mine, I'm not going to take input from people, I'm not going to receive godly counsel, that would be the time to move him out of that leadership. How many of you would agree with that? So, Justin, I need to meet with you after the service. Why? Because it's not his ministry. Grace Baptist Church is not my ministry. It belongs to Jesus Christ. Now, I know that might sound trite and sound simple. Man, when we start getting into establishing a new church constitution, the Bible's very offensive to our flesh. And we'll have to establish some things. So next week, I'm preaching Brandon Blackford's ordination next Sunday. So that's Nathan Brynick is preaching here. The following Sunday is Mother's Day, but I'm going to keep going in this series and the next, ser- the next message for Mother's Day, I think this is perfect. Only a woman can be a mom. And I'm, I'm really sad because some of these boys at the front just went, huh. <laughs> and we're going to look at how, how, what the world is saying about those issues and what we as a church have to say. And what we have to include in our constitution and bylaws to protect us legally. How many of you think that's a great idea for Mother's Day? Isn't that cool? How many of you think that's a bad idea for Mother's Day? All right, I don't care. So, we're moving ahead because the church, I just undermined everything that I was talking about. The church doesn't belong to us. The church belongs to God. The church belongs to Jesus. He's the head. Can I get a good sound amen on that? And so it it does go against our flesh, but we're just going to do what Jesus says. So let's look at the church, which is his body. The church, which is his body. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. All right, so this passage is talking about Jesus. So look at verse 22. And hath put all things, 
I like that. All things, just as he is the head of all things, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So the church is the body of Christ. And so I I want you to understand something really clearly, that when this is talking about his body, that's not spiritual. His body is seated at the right hand of the Father right now. His body was virgin born. His body was nailed to the cross. His body was put in a borrowed tomb. And that body rose from the dead victorious over death in the grave. That same body ascended to the right hand of the Father and is now seated in his Father's throne, according to Revelation 3.21. That's the body that I'm talking about. And the Bible says that the church is his body. How does that work? What does that mean? Well, he's put all things under his feet, according to the church, which is his body. How do we get into that body? How do we get into it? Well, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Now, let me tell you why I'm talking about this. Every saved person, when you receive Christ, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ's body. That's how we are seated with him in heavenly places right now. You are, anybody saved here? Are you saved? Then you are in Christ. If you're saved, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. If any man hath not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So Christ is in you, you are in Christ. That is the body of Christ. We are in him. Here's why that's important. So I'm going to read from our Y Baptist book here in a little while. Amy's here. She proofread it for me. She told me that Dalton's a better writer than me. She actually said that. I was very offended. Um, so when I wrote that book, or Dalton and I wrote it, and I started traveling, preaching on Baptist things, these guys called Baptist writers crawled out of the woodwork. And these are people that don't believe you're part of the body of Christ, the church, unless you've been baptized in a Baptist church. Let me put it, they don't believe you're a part of the bride of Christ unless you've been baptized in a Baptist church. How many of you came from a church that taught that? Would you raise your hand? Anybody of you? You came from a church? How many of you, it's the weirdest thing you've ever heard? Would you raise your hands? It is. It's just crazy. And here's the problem. They don't actually believe in the church, which is his body. They don't believe in it. They believe every time the word church is used, it's only talking about the local assembly, like Grace Baptist. And Jeff Faggart would say they're crippled too high for crutches. (laughs) They're just... (laughs) something's not working right because the body of Christ is not a spiritual thing. The body of Christ is real. Are are you glad that he bodily rose from the dead? And, And that body is the one that we're going to see and we're going to be like him. That body is a very important thing and we get into that body not by joining Grace Baptist Church. Grace Baptist Church cannot save you. Only Jesus can save you. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. How do we get into that body? By the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When does this baptism take place? Ephesians chapter 1. 
and look at verse 12. Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In whom ye also trusted. What's that next word? After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. So this baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're all baptized by one spirit into one body, That happens when we get saved. That's the seal. We are in him and we are sealed until Jesus Christ comes back to get us. Praise his name. How do you get into that? You have to believe. Jesus Christ said, well, let's just look at it. John chapter 8. I think some of you know that that I've gotten a fountain pen. And I have so enjoyed writing. What I'll do, like I looked up every time the Bible says the word believe. And then I went to the New Testament and I started writing out every time, or just about every time, Jesus said something about believing. And there's something about slowly writing out the scripture. And I, I just absolutely love it. But listen to what he said in verse uh, John chapter 8, and look at verse 24. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. So what's the qualification? What did they have to do? Believe in him. Believe that he's God. Believe that he's the one that the prophets had spoken of. Look at verse 45. Uh, Verse 43 is so good. Let's say it. Let's read that one too. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. Now, these churches, you know, that Stillwater Steve would want to go to, how many of you think that's the Jesus they're worshiping? I mean, this is Jesus that's talking right here. Look at what he says. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you're not of God. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well? that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. You see, here's what salvation comes down to, believing Jesus. Believing who he is, what he did. And you either believe him or you die in your sins. You either believe him and go to heaven, or you don't believe him and you go to hell. Young people, I want you to understand this. At some point, it has to become your faith. We're going to talk about that some more in a minute. So what about the local church? The local church. 
So when we talk about the church, which is his body, that's every saved person. You don't have to be a Baptist to be saved. Amen? Uh, I was preaching with Dalton Robertson at a church in Texas. You've heard me say this. He said, there are more Baptists in Texas than will be in heaven. Why? Because there are a lot of people that they're born in a Baptist community, just like many of you were born in a Catholic community. Where you're born doesn't have anything to do with whether you get to go to heaven or not. What your parents' church was doesn't have anything to do with whether you go to heaven or not. Whether it's a Catholic church or a Baptist church. Whether it's a Presbyterian church or a Lutheran church or a church that calls itself, you know, the church of the, the ramp. Just going to take off to heaven. It doesn't matter what your church is called. What matters is what do you believe. That's what gets you to heaven or not. And it's believing in Jesus Christ. So what about the local church, though? So it doesn't matter what church you go to as to whether or not you get to go to heaven. Can I get a good amen on that? But does God care about the church? So what about the local church? Well, the local church is the physical manifestation of the spiritual body. The, so the body of Christ, which is his body, then Jesus said, here's what I want that to look like on earth. And that's the church at Ephesus and the, the church at, at Colossae and the, the church at Laodicea of all places and the church at Sydney. God, Jesus cares about how those local churches look and function. The only visible expression of the body of Christ on earth now is the local church. So Campus Crusade for Christ, which now it's just crew, because you better not call it Christ. Right? Navigators. Uh, whatever. All of these organizations that are not under the authority of a local New Testament church, they may or may not be good, but they're certainly not God's ordained plan for this age. That is the New Testament church. Amen? Are you all with me on that? You all understand that the local church is God's plan? And, and we can work outside of the local church, but only under the authority of the local church. So let's say that you're a member of Grace Baptist and you want to have a Bible study. Great. Invite all the people in your neighborhood, have a Bible study. If you want to invite people from the church and call it a Grace Baptist Bible study, then you've got to ask me about the curriculum that's going to be taught. Why? Because I'm the pastor and I'm the overseer, I have to take oversight of everything in this local church. Why? Because the Bible calls me the under-shepherd. Jesus is the head, I'm under Christ in this church, and it's my job to oversee what goes on. We're not going to take the time to look it up, but if you don't believe me, look at 1 Peter chapter 5. It identifies all of that, taking the oversight, not of constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, not for I, not for men's sake, but I do it because Jesus wants me to. Do you start to see what we're talking about? How the church functions, it's a, if it's a ministry of the New Testament church, Jesus really cares how that is done, and the only visible expression of the body of Christ on earth now is the local church. Um, so then how do I get into the local church? So we talked about how to get into the body of Christ. You, you, you believe in Jesus and the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body. How many of you recognize that's what we've covered? Some of you, I'll start over. How many of you know that's how you get into the body of Christ? Okay. Then how do you get into the local church? The same way. The same way. You believe in Jesus Christ, you make a public profession, 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And then, so you believe on Jesus for salvation, and then you follow the Lord in believers' baptism. You see, the baptism by the Spirit into the body, that, that's spirit baptism. You're, you know how I know that? Because it says that we're baptized by the Spirit. This is complicated stuff. Local church believers' baptism is water baptism. Water baptism cannot place you into the body of Christ. You have to already be in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. And then you get into the visible body through visible baptism. How many of you saw the Holy Spirit baptize you into the body of Christ? Did you see that? No. If you did, we need to have a talk. You can't see that. That's spirit. The visible expression of the, of the spiritual reality is water baptism. So, in the Y Baptist book, under a regenerate or born-again saved church membership, we wrote, Local church membership is restricted to individuals who give a credible testimony of personal salvation in Christ and have publicly identified themselves with him in believer's baptism by immersion following salvation. When the members of a local church are believers, there is purity, there is unity, there is power, there is purpose, and there is peace. And there is never even a hint in Scripture of believers being members of a local church. I'm sorry, there is never a hint in Scripture of unbelievers being members of the local church. So it's really important that we see that, that the church has to be, the local church, just as the body of Christ is only made up of believers. How many believe every saved person is in the body of Christ? Well, then the proper visible expression of that on earth can only be believers. How many of you agree with that? Right? So, let's look at Acts. You know, I've got it printed here for you. So, Acts 2.41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Acts 2.47b says, And the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. So, we have a saved church membership. You receive the word, and then you're baptized, and that's what adds you to the church. That's, that's how it works. A saved and a baptized church membership. So the Bible requires a regenerated, that's born again, church membership. The Bible requires that. So this is not Jim's rule. This is what, what the Lord requires. Uh, when I first came to Grace Baptist, um, Laura asked a deacon's wife here, uh, when did you get saved? And listen to the answer. Oh, I think I've always known. So if you ask somebody that, you know, remember what you're supposed to do when you ask somebody about their salvation. In the back of your mind, you're saying saved or lost because you know where to go next. If you ask somebody, when did you get saved? And they say, I think I've always known. What, what are you going to say in the back of your mind? Did I hear somebody say saved? Salvation takes place at a moment in time. It's not a process, and it's not something that you have from birth. You're born, 
and then you have to be born again. If you're not born again, you cannot see God. If you're not born again, you can't go to heaven. That takes place at a point in time. You were born at a point in time. You're born again at a point in time. You must be saved. And we have, the Bible requires a born again church membership. How do we end up with people in a church that are not born again? There's two ways. Number one, the church doesn't require it. Oh, everybody's welcome. Come on. If you, if you have a heartbeat, come on. Jesus loves you. He's not mad at you. Well, that's not Jesus' church. You might call it a church. Church is an assembly. You might call it a church, but it's not a church of Christ. It's not a biblical church. So, number one, that's how it happens. There's another way it happens. When you practice infant baptism. So, how many babies in here? Besides Wade? <laughs> See, Patrick, I beat, I beat up on Patrick for a while. It's your turn. So, you, you baptize a baby. That baby doesn't have any idea what you're doing. As a matter of fact, they're not too happy about it. And if that baby then becomes a member of your church, because baptism has always been church membership. I don't care what denomination of church history it is. Baptism is church membership. That's what it is. I had a preacher uh, from Mason, Ohio, call me years ago. He taught at a Bible college, taught church planting at a Bible college. He said, Jim, can I baptize someone and then not become a member of my church? And, and I had the dumb and dumber reaction, you know. That didn't even compute in my head because baptism is, you're baptized by one spirit into the body of Christ. You become a member of Christ when you're baptized into him. You become a member of the church when you get baptized. You're, you're baptized into the church. Can I baptize? What are you talking about? How do you not know this? So, infant baptism causes an unregenerate church membership. And it's so dangerous because you understand there's a lot of people that think they're going to heaven because they were baptized as a baby. How many of you know people who believe that? Raise your hand. You know people that believe that. Folks, they're going to hell. They're lost. You must be born again. Water baptism has never saved anybody. So the Bible requires a regenerate church membership, and this is what makes us different from churches that don't require that. Why? Because that's the only way into the body of Christ. The, only, the reason you must be born again to be a member of the local church is because that's the only way you can get into the church, which is his body, and the local church is the visible expression of that body. So if you have to be saved to get into the body of Christ, you must be saved to be in the local church. That'd be a great place for the men to say amen. Amen. This is the only way God can receive glory. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21 says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. World without end, amen. What is the only way that we're with God throughout all ages? Through salvation. That's it. 
That's why the local church must be the expression of the body of Christ on earth. And so you have to be saved to be in it. You know, there are people, this happens all the time, they they love Grace Baptist Church, but they refuse to join. They refuse to become members. Now, if you're born again and you've been baptized in a church of like faith and practice, here's what church membership is. That's it. You're saying, I believe in the doctrine of Grace Baptist Church. I want to unite. I promise to, to, to be faithful in my time, talent, and treasure. I'm going to be held accountable by the church. I will hold others in the church accountable. That's what church membership is. You all know that, right? But what does it say about someone that says, nah, I don't think so? Number one, might not be saved. Might not be saved. Let me say it again. They might not be saved. Pastor, are you saying somebody doesn't want to join Grace Baptist Church? Might not be saved. That's exactly what I'm saying. Number two, they might not want to submit to our doctrine. Well, I'm glad they won't join the church then. Why? I would that you all speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. What are the chances of the entire body of Christ obeying that? Well, when we're before him, we will, because we'll all be Baptist. (laughs) When we're before him, we will. But right now, the only way that can happen is in a properly structured, properly submitting local assembly. Does that make sense? And so... The only way that God will receive glory in the church is if it's full of saved people. Why? Because then we have that treasure in earthen vessels that the glory may be of him and not of us, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And then we are to be a spiritual house. So 1 Peter 2, 5. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. Here's the problem. If you're lost, you're spiritually dead. And ye, Ephesians 2, and ye hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Quickened means made alive. You can't be a spiritual house if you're lost. Amen? Now remember, men, this is really important. I'm going to instruct the men. If you're a man, raise your hand. You're not sure week after next, I'll help you. (laughs) That is such a smart aleck thing. (laughs) Especially in doctrinal times like this where we're establishing what the church is, your amen tells everybody that you're on board. I I, I really need, this is not for my own self self, self and all. This is not for my own personal aggrandizement that has nothing to do with it i want i want if we have a guest or if we have someone that's not a member of grace baptist here's what people think they think people agree with them they need to know the church and the leadership of the church which is our men agree with what's being preached amen good i was about to be so disappointed so We have to be a spiritual house, and we can't be a spiritual house 
unless we're saved because we're spiritually dead. Amen. We are to be a spiritual house. But what about your house? When you, by the time you get to Ephesians 5, let's go ahead and look at it. Look at Ephesians 5. Look at verse 25. <clears throat> well, verse 23 it really fits the context. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now look at this that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of water by the word, that he might present, to him, present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be, what's that next word? Holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. It's interesting that the, the, the body is the bride of Christ. The, the, the local body is the bride of Christ. The, every saved person in that body is the bride of Christ. Look at what it says, verse 29. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, so right there, can you see that that's talking about his physical body, of his flesh and of his bones? For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. So we are the body of Christ, but we're in his body. We're one. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. You, you, the great mystery is you can't tell if he's talking about the church or the home. Can, would you all agree with that? So how many of you know that the church is supposed to be a spiritual body? Ooh. Then what is the home supposed to be? What about your house? Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Actually, I just got it here on the screen. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Folks, eternity is long. And if I have asked you this question, if I've had this conversation with you, don't think that I'm talking about you right now because I've had this conversation with dozens and hundreds of parents. I'll ask you, are your children saved? Is your wife saved? Are your parents saved? Is your brother saved? 
How many of you think that's an important question? I think some of you would be stunned at how many times I ask that question, and the answer is, I don't know. I hope so. I think so. How many of you know the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know it. And I've asked you four times, I think. Let's do it again. How many of you have received that gospel, and you know that you're saved? What about your families? See, dads, it's your responsibility to talk to your kids about eternity. It's it's your responsibility to know that your children understand salvation, that they understand their need for a personal salvation. Then it's your responsibility to teach them doctrine. Lydia was in college, and they had a class on dispensationalism. Apparently, the teacher wasn't very clear. She had a friend who, at the end of the class, said, I still don't even know what dispensationalism is. And so Lydia took out a piece of paper or a napkin or something and wrote out the seven dispensations and explained it to her. Why? Because I would take Lydia on a date and talk to her, and I don't know how to talk to kids, so I taught her the dispensations. I'm the worst at talking to kids. I don't know how to talk. I didn't know how to talk to kids when I was one. So I taught her those things. Uh, Jacob goes to Pensacola, and they, um, they're open communion. And so the preacher stands up and says something about the Lord's Supper that is absolutely unbiblical. And Jacob about had a heart attack. Why? Because he knew what the Bible said about it. When I first came to Grace Baptist Church, I went to a funeral Deacon's sister had died, went to a Methodist church, a woman pastor, woman deacon, fermented wine, and everyone from our church got up and went and took communion at that Methodist church. And I was sitting there, what have I gotten into? You know what I'm thankful for? My kids would not have done that. They understand that the Lord's Supper is a local church ordinance and that men are pastors of churches. Do you know how I know that? Because the Bible says, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. If you're not sure about that, week after next, I'm going to clear that up. How do I know that my kids know these things? Are they perfect? No. They do everything I want them to? No. But I made sure that they understood the truth. Why? Because that's my job. Yeah, you're the, you're, you're the pastor. No, I'm their dad. Some of you have been in my office when I'm counseling you or having a meeting and my kids would walk in. Why? They didn't have to knock. I never wanted the ministry to come between me and my kids. That was important to me. What's more important? Their eternal salvation. What about your house? How many of you know the church is supposed to be a spiritual house? Church is made up of homes. What about your house? Are your kids saved? Now, what if you either got saved or grew in the faith after your children are already grown? 
How many of you know that's a completely different situation? What do you do? You got to talk to them. And man, there's nothing more uncomfortable than talking to people about the faith who know you better than anyone else and who witnessed your unchristian behavior. Do you know how many kids have witnessed unchristian behavior in the home? All of them. Mine, yours, all of them. And especially if you hadn't grown in the faith yet or you might not have been saved yet. Then it becomes very awkward to talk to your grown children about the Lord. But eternity is long. What's more uncomfortable, the idea of them in hell or the idea of having a conversation where when you talk to them about the Lord, they might in anger point out the things that you did wrong. All you can say at that point is you're absolutely right. That's why I can't save you. But Jesus can. I love you. I want to be in heaven with you. Please trust him. And listen, I don't care whether they're going. I do care. It doesn't matter whether they're going to church or not. That doesn't mean they're going to heaven. How many of you know that? You have to talk to them. You have to ask the question. Why? Because eternity is long. Hell is real. Jesus shed his blood for the church. Church is made up of homes. Is your family in it? See, one of the other ways that lost people get into membership in the church is a lot of Protestant churches believe that their children are members because their parents are members. Doesn't work that way at Grace Baptist. Doesn't work that way. You got to be saved. So here's the question. Is your family in the church, the body of Christ? And then are your children involved as active participants in the life and ministry of Grace Baptist Church? Is your family in it? Never forget that the throne is a throne of judgment. We looked at that the week before last. That's what God calls it, the throne of judgment. God is about to judge the earth. The seals, the trumpets, and the vials are about to be realized. Are your children going to go through the tribulation because it was too uncomfortable for you to ask the question? Is your mom going to go through the tribulation or die and go to hell before that? Because the conversation is uncomfortable. How many of you recognize the conversation is uncomfortable? Is it as uncomfortable as hell? If you're saved, you're not going there. But what about your family? The church before the throne. So let me ask you a question. If you died today, are you sure? that heaven is your home. Are you sure? If your child died today, God forbid, do you know where he is? I did a funeral for a young man when I was first pastor here, and I had played golf with him, and I had asked him about his salvation. He died. And his parents didn't know whether he was saved or not. I was able to tell them that he had given me a testimony of faith. How do you not know? If you're church people, if you're Grace Baptist church people, how do you not know whether or not your kids are saved? How do you not know that? 
Is there anything? I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in truth. Do you know? Do you care? Do you care? The Bible teaches a regenerate, a born-again church membership. The church is made up of homes. The church is supposed to be a spiritual house. Your house is supposed to be a spiritual house. Your two-year-old's not saved. I believe they're under grace. Praise God. But at some point, they're going to come to a point of understanding. They'd better know who Jesus is. And there has to come a time where they exchange their sin for Christ's righteousness. Have you made that exchange? Have your children? Let's pray. Lord, please help us to understand how traditional we have become. Lord, please help us to understand how unbiblical that we can behave because of fear, because of shame.